Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi everyone, it's Adam here from DNF1. Just before we begin the podcast, I wanted to quickly share with you some exciting news. For this month, the DNF1 podcast is proudly sponsored by... Manscaped. For the entire month of March, you can get hold of some great Manscaped products like their best-selling razor, the brand new Lawn Mower 3.0, which is now waterproof, and plenty more other great products on their website for 20% off and free shipping. Oh my God! Wow! All you have to do is head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code DNF1 to receive 20% off your order and also free shipping too. We loved using Manscaped products and we know that you will too. So make sure to get yours now. Trust us, your balls will thank you. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 podcast, the podcast that gives you all of the latest news, rumours and gossip in the Formula One world. And we try our best to basically discuss and debate all the big issues for your listening and viewing pleasure, depending on which platform that you follow this podcast on. Now, of course, um, let's not forget, as I've mentioned already in the previous two episodes, that for the month of March, the DNF1 F1 podcast is proud to announce that we are being sponsored by Manscaped. Now, of course, we've already mentioned in the advert that you've just seen that we try the products are absolutely fantastic. And I definitely recommend you guys to go on the website now to get yourself some of the good stuff that Manscaped have to offer. And you can, of course, use our code, our promotion code for March DNF1, which will allow you 20% off your total order and, of course, free shipping as well. So make sure to check out Manscaped's goods on manscaped.com. Now, Courtney, first things first, how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm good. It's a very busy uh, week for us, so let's get cracking on. Yeah, absolutely. As you would have seen, guys, um, we 
obviously done the Mercedes episode. We've also done the Aston Martin episode two. Fantastic looking cars. I hope think you'll agree. And now, of course, we are talking about Alpine. Now, for those of you probably thinking, guys, Alpine unveiled their new car on Tuesday. It's Thursday now. Why are you talking about them now and not earlier? Well, because of the busy schedule, it would probably doesn't make sense to do two podcasts in the same day or at least release two podcasts in the same day so we're talking about Alpine today and looking back on the launch that we saw a couple of days ago and obviously give our thoughts onto what we think of the car and of course what Alpine's prospects are for this season as well as their drivers so first things first Courtney what do you make on the new livery of the Alpine um do you like it what do you think you know what I think it's beautiful I think it's one of the um best that have been revealed so far um I was slightly worried we was going to get another car that was pretty much blue, but it stands out. Um, yeah, as I said, it's, it's already one of the uh, best-looking cars out there, and I'm pleased that at least one of these cars this year are going to give us something different with, with these liveries because, unfortunately, with the lack of changes with these cars, most of these cars are a carbon copy of last year, so it's nice to see a bit of a difference on the grid this season. Absolutely. I mean, we expected it to be blue. Uh, they had the winter livery where they had the black with the tree colour flag for France at the back, uh, being a French-based team. Alpine, of course, their first entry into Formula One, but a rich pedigree in motorsport for the French team in Le Mans and particularly the World Rally as well. But I've got to say, Corny, it's absolutely stunning. And it's one of my favourite liveries, if not my favourite livery that I have seen so far. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, of course, we'll have to wait and see how it performs on the track, uh, at which point we do not know how Alpine will do in their first season. Um, in terms of the actual launch itself, I've got to say, I'm hoping the car is a lot faster than the launch because the launch stream was terrible. It was buffering, it was slow, the audio was there, but the picture quality couldn't keep up frame rate wise. Um, I mean, all jokes aside, it was, you know, a very much a virtual event, the first of its kind that we'd seen, because of course we'd seen events that were being filmed live, but brought to us, but this was very much a virtual event. So a lot of reliance and dependency was being shifted onto the IT department and I'm sure they did the best that they could, but yeah, let's hope the car is a lot better on track than the stream was at least. But um, talking about the actual launch itself, Courtney, as I said, a very much a virtual event, something we hadn't seen before, very much showcasing the Alpine mountains and of course going along with that winter-esque theme. And I must say the car itself looks stunning. It looked fantastic. Um, although that being said, I mean, in terms of the technical aspect, Renault, Lotus and Alpine in particular, you can't really pick anything up from those renders purely and simply because they were designed with stock based cars from previous seasons and you can't really pull anything out of them. So usually I provide a technical element to it to look at what's new on the car, but they're so unreliable. So we're only going to learn about this on the actual track when we come to testing. But in terms of the car itself, Courtney, um, yeah, absolutely stunning. Um, but what do you make of the actual launch itself? Was it something that you were impressed by or do you feel that they should just stick to the, the same sort of launches that everyone else has been doing? I think with these um, Formula One car launches, given that the cars are pretty much the same as last season, I don't think there's any need to do anything too extravagant. You know, like a lot of what McLaren done, they kept it fairly simple. Same with Mercedes. Um yeah, there's no need for it to really be over the top. I just, we're just at that point now where let's just get on with testing. I want to see how these cars get on. Mm, you know, absolutely. I really want yeah. to see, I really want to see if this season 
delivers because we're due a classic. Um, but in terms of Alpine, I I, I don't know where they're going to be this season. I expect them to be a solid midfield team. I don't have to have any tricks up their sleeve. You know, they obviously they didn't give anything away in this um, in this reveal. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, as an F1 fan, I just want to see as competitive a midfield as possible because the fun from last season, that's where it was. You know, the, the title race was pretty simple, but the midfield clashes were fantastic. They were the highlight of 2020. So I'm really hoping that Alpine put themselves in the mix with the teams I expect to be up there, like Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin. So I really hope that given the changes they've gone through, I really hope that that's very quickly and give us the entertainment that we're all sort of hoping for. Absolutely. And I think Alpine have a lot to be confident about, a lot to be hopeful for. Of course, they've taken over proceedings from a Renault team that, yes, granted, it didn't have the homecoming or the return that it would have hoped for in terms of bringing in a world championship. However, they did score a few podiums last season with Daniel Ricciardo, who has now since gone to McLaren to uh, hopefully have some more similar ventures, successful ventures over there. But Renault seemed to be coming into their own in 2020. The RS20 was a very, very good car. Um, it, it, you know, progressed very well. At the point earlier in the season last year, I remember in testing, we felt that Renault were looking over their shoulder at the likes of Alpha Tauri and possibly Alpha Romeo, where it, it seemed that way after pre-season testing, a long way behind the likes of McLaren, Racing Point, Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes. But... Um, over the course of the season, they developed the car really well. Of course, their drivers really started to find their form. Of course, Esteban Ocon and Daniel Ricciardo uh, were still trying to find their way, it was probably fair to say. And as the season came uh, into the second half, both drivers come alive, particularly Daniel Ricciardo getting a few podiums. And Esteban Ocon, of course, getting that podium at the Sakir Grand Prix, his first of hopefully many in his career. And he'll be certainly looking forward to add to that. So there's a lot of hope for Alpine, especially with the homologation of the rules into 2021 from 2020 meaning that not a lot on the cars are actually going to train change ultimately at least from the uh on the surface so it gives alpine a good base a good foundation to start from and build perhaps towards a more flourishing platform in 2022 and let's be honest Courtney, i think from what we were hearing at the launch from ocon himself from uh, davide brivio and lauren rossi in particular their focus whilst they want to have a good 2021. Their focus seems to be primarily on 2022. Is it fair to say that you share those feelings from Alpine that perhaps this year for them is perhaps treading the water, finding their feet with the new equipment, um, optimizing this partnership with Renault, of course, being their engine suppliers exclusively for the time being, and then having a real go at it in 2022, when in theory that it becomes a level playing field for every team. This is the main reason why Fernando Alonso has come back. Fernando would not come back just to be in a midfield team that will get the odd point here and there, like he was during his time at McLaren. You know, he knows he's at the latter stages of his, uh, shall we say, Formula One lifespan. And he knows this is his last chance to win a championship. So I suspect if Alpine go into 2022, and they're not competing at the very front, I expect to see an impatient Fernando, and he'll probably be looking to go elsewhere. So Mm. I do think it's important for Alpine to have a solid season to give Fernando the motivation he'll need to take them to that next level in 2022, because from their perspective, that's why they have chosen Fernando, is 
he's been with them a couple of times in the past when they were formerly known as Renault. And he has the experience, you know, he's he's a two-time world champion. He dethroned Michael Schumacher. Yes, he's older. Yes, it's going to take time for him to adapt. But same with Sebastian Vettel, you know, form is temporary, but, you know, class is permanent. You know, if he, if, if he set, set, settles in properly and Alpine do well in 2022, we could be getting a classic. We, we, we could be seeing Alonso going up against Verstappen or even hopefully Sebastian Vettel. Wouldn't that be great to see? So I just want to see these big names in Formula One. I just wanted to work out for all their teams because we've really missed out on some real battles between the Formula One Titans for, I'll probably say, since the Vettel era when we had Sebastian Vettel up against Alonso. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, I mean, we can get into Fernando Alonso in a bit. Uh, I, I do want to touch on some of the structural changes at Alpine for because a lot has happened behind the scenes at Alpine and mm. Renault um, over the winter break that a lot of people perhaps weren't paying attention with or perhaps completely, you know, just uh, it just went over their heads. Um, but they are quite significant. Um, and I want to talk about briefly Davide Brivio. Now, for those of you F1 fans, not familiar with the name, the MotoGP fans that tune into this podcast, you guys will definitely know Davide. Um, but just as a quick background into Davide, Davide, plenty of years in motorsport, 20 years experience in MotoGP+, Plus, uh, was very successful with the Suzuki MotoGP team last season, bringing them the team championship last season. So this guy really does know his stuff. And I think it will be like Andrea Seddle was when he joined McLaren a name that those hardcore motorsport fans will know coming into Formula One. But as a Formula One fan, if you haven't heard of Davide, in time, you will know exactly what the man is about. And he's got a very tough task on his hand, especially reporting to Lauren Rossi, who's now assumed the CEO role at Alpine to uh, replace Cyril Abitavo as well. So a very strong but new management structure at Alpine. And I think these guys are going to do a very good job to get the best out of their drivers. Um mentioning the drivers of course let's talk about Fernando Alonso you mentioned already Courtney um Fernando Alonso you know he's come back into Formula One this season perhaps if we're honest not in the circumstances he would have envisioned um I don't know if Renault or in this case Alpine would have been his first choice I think he may have been looking at perhaps one of the other teams like a Mercedes or a Red Bull as unlikely as those moves may have seemed they were never really out of you know, completely out of the question at the time. But um, he's found himself at Alpine. Perhaps this was the big chance he needed to get into Formula One. Is it fair to say that Fernando's focus is swiftly on 2022, or primarily on 2022, I should say? Or do you feel that perhaps he has a goal in mind for 2021 where he could perhaps challenge to get podiums or who knows, maybe even a race win if some if we have a sporadic race like we did at Monza last season? Let's look at 2022 and there's a real feeling that the outcome of these new regulations are pretty much a lottery for these teams. You know, we saw it to an extent in 2009 with Braun. You know, they found a real loophole in the regulations and they dominated for most of the season. And as I've already stated, I think that's what Fernando has in mind. I think he wants to do a Jensen Button. You know, he's almost on the way out of Formula 1 and chose the right team at the right time and had the chance of winning the championship. I think that's what he has in mind. Of course he wants to be with Mercedes. Of course he'd like to be with Red Bull. You know, they are generally the teams to be. And 
probably have a little bit more of a chance to still be there in 2022 compared to the others. But let's not understate how much of an opportunity this is for a new team to take themselves to the top. And it could be Alpine. It could be, you know, you, you've already mentioned the, the restructuring that they've done. They, 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 these might be the very people that they need to take them to the top. So that's what Fernando has in mind. And, and again, as I've already said, I believe that if they're struggling in 2022, we're going to be seeing the side of Fernando, you know, causes disruption, clearly doesn't want to be there, makes his, makes his opinions clear on, on the radio, which is entertaining for us, but it's not great for the team. So the next couple of seasons are going to be very interesting for the Alpine team for certain. Yeah, I mean, Davide Brivio is going to have a hard time and a fun time, I imagine, as well, dealing with Fernando Alonso if he is not happy where the team is going. I mean, there seems to be a sense of patience at Alpine. They obviously are aware of the mountainous tasks that they have. They're not in it just to make up the numbers. They seem quite confident that the project that they have set themselves onto will eventually result in them winning a world championship, just as Renault did in the early 2000s with Fernando Alonso. And they seem pretty happy with the driver lineup that they have. Fernando in particular, of course, you know, at the moment, he wasn't at the launch, of course, owing to whether any of the people were at the launch that were at there uh, because of the virtual nature of it. But Fernando, of course, suffered that accident, which uh, the cycling accident, which resulted in a fractured jaw. So he was recovering at home. But of course, physically preparing himself as best as he can for preseason testing, which they still believe he's very much on course to attend uh, and be a part of. Um, so that's always good to hear. But there seems to be a sense of patience there. They are aware that 2021 is not a stopgap year, but I think they've been very, very honest about their expectations and that they feel that this season, you know, they're going to try and optimize and maximize their opportunities as and when they present themselves and do the best job that they can. But they're very confident that in 2022, that's where the real opportunity will present themselves. And I think a lot of teams in the midfield probably feel the same way, if not all of them, except for Mercedes, you know, because over the last seven or eight years, it has been complete Mercedes dominance. And I think all of the teams like Alpine, obviously formerly Renault, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin, Red Bull, they obviously look at this as the opportunity that they need to really maximise to try and wrestle away that uh, championships from Mercedes and then perhaps create a dominance era of their own uh, in similar circumstances, as hard as that well, would be. Well, that's right. Because if you have a look at the big regulation changes have changed the pecking order at the top. So the two thirds and the nine regulation changes heralded the beginning of the Red Bull era. You know, that's when they started to dominate Formula One. In 2014, we saw Mercedes obviously dominate and, at the same time, we saw other teams suffer as a consequence of this, like McLaren. So there's no reason why we can't see something completely different coming into next season. And there's a lot of excitement. And actually, as a fan, it's a shame it isn't happening this year because I think a, a reshape in Formula One, well, a revamp at the front is exactly what we need. Mm. I think we're very much looking forward to that. And a lot of people are too. But of course, there's plenty to look forward to in 2021. I mean, we mentioned periods of dominance. I mean, Renault, even when they were winning the championship in 2005 and 06, it wasn't really a period of dominance for them. I mean, 05, Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen, what a battle that was, of course. You know, Ferrari were nowhere with the F2005. Uh, you know, it was a terrible car. But of course, we're going to do a separate video on that in the future. So definitely look forward to doing that. Um, in 2006, there was always the controversy around the mass damper, which gave Renault a lot of benefit performance against Ferrari when they come back. And in some ways, 
that and reliability issues for Michael Schumacher in some ways prevented them from really going all the way. Of course, it did go to the final race, but uh, that championship was pretty much lost in Japan, in my opinion. So Renault never really had a dominant period and they weren't able to sustain that performance over time because of the regulation changes that followed in 2007 and 2009, respectively. They just really weren't able to stay with the leading teams in that regard. So for Alpine, this is a great opportunity for them to really establish themselves in Formula One with their racing pedigree that they have and try to bring back the glory days that they had in rallying and, of course, in the World Endurance Championship, let's not forget. Um, to, let's move on to Esteban Ocon. We've said a lot about Alonso already. We know what we're going to expect from Alonso, but we'll come back to him before the end. It's a big year for Esteban Ocon, the French Massive. driver. A lot of potential, very successful junior career, made headlines in Formula One for good and bad reasons. But one thing that we can agree on is that this guy, this kid is very, very quick. And, you know, the big one of the biggest stars in French motorsport at the moment. How big a season is this for Esteban Ocon? Do you feel that there's a possibility that this could be potentially a make or break season? Or do you feel that Alpine will afford him uh, some more time, perhaps, than what Renault would have done? Given the circumstances of the expected movement of the drivers in the next year or so, this is certainly a big year for him. Um, my gut is telling me right now, I've already speculated about 2022 for we've even started in Bahrain, but my gut is telling me that his good friend Pierre Gasly could be looking to move to this team in 2022, and that would be a, a double dagger to the heart for him. So he has to really get it right this season. There's no certainty that Fernando Alonso is going to be the lead driver, given he's been away for a while. So he really has to be on top form for the start, to stamp his authority in this team and give them give the team the confidence in him that he's going to need going into these big regulation changes. Because, you know, we're talking about Fernando Alonso going for a championship if Alpine do well. This season could define whether... Esteban Ocon drops out altogether or finds himself lucky enough to be in a position to challenge for a championship. So this season will define his career. I mean, do you feel that there's an expectation from Alpine that Esteban Ocon, at least in the earlier parts of the season, will be their lead gunner for the team rather so that Fernando can get up to speed? Because let's not forget, Fernando's going to have such limited time in pre-season testing. We're down to just three days now before the season gets underway. So... You know, for Fernando, it's not a lot of time, even though he had the young driver's test, which, of course, will help him invaluably over that, you know, where he was actually faster than Ricardo and Ocon was um, in terms of outright pace, although he did have a lot more time to set that time. Um, yeah, do you feel that Ocon perhaps is under pressure to really perform straight from the get-go, or do you feel that Alpine will just, you know, wait and see where the chips fall and just kind of make their decision based on that? Because it seems like perhaps he's under a lot of pressure to perform and quickly. He is under a lot of pressure because unfortunately, this is human behaviour. If things start going wrong, you want to start, you start looking around and seeing what's to blame or possibly who's to blame. So if they start slowly and they, they, they're struggling in qualifying, struggling in races, obviously if, if, if Alonso's not the speed, if Ocon is struggling as well, there's going to be automatic pressure on him. I don't know. I, I just feel that Pierre Gasly has now become the star of French racing. And I, I just feel that they would love to have a French team having a star of French racing. Obviously, that would be the perfect collaboration for them. So there's no doubt in on his day, Esteban Ocon is capable of doing so. 
but he has to be in top form to stamp his authority over this team. Otherwise, he's going to find himself struggling to keep that seat in 2022. Mm. And towards the back end of last season, we started to see more of the old Esteban Ocon that was at Racing Point. Mm-hmm or false India, I should say. Um, but we never really saw enough of that at Renault, at least until the latter half of last season, particularly in Sakir, when he did a great job to get that podium position. Um, you know, as I said, we talked about Pierre Gasly as a driver we've already mentioned a lot and perhaps is on the radar of Alpine, a young French driver who's already won in Formula One and has shown such great character and such quality, particularly last season. So definitely on their radar. Um, let's, you know, to wrap this episode up, We spoke about Alpine before in our predictions video. And of course, if you haven't already checked that out, definitely recommend you check it out. I think, you know, it was a really good video. We did that with a Girl Talks F1. Really good video. Um, We kind of place Alpine around about sick fastest of all the teams. Mm -hmm. Ahead of Alpha Tauri, just about. But lagging behind McLaren, Aston Martin, Ferrari in the midfield. Do you feel that you still feel that way about Alpine or do you feel that perhaps we need to revise their position? Because if I'm be honest with you, Courtney, I am probably happy to leave them exactly where they are, perhaps be more favorable to Alpha Tauri next season than Alpine, considering we haven't really seen anything on the new Alpine car. At least we won't until testing that will suggest otherwise at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. I think um, McLaren and Aston Martin in particular find themselves in really good positions with their own development to, find themselves falling back so I feel that Alpine are going to have a hard time if they feel that they can finish above those two teams Mm. and with the primary focus on 2022 they may decide to not develop that car any further in the same way that Haas already Gunther Steiner um, said that they're not really going to focus too much on the 2021 car after it's been unveiled. They are more concerned about the 2022 car. So, you know, we may see a trend of that for some other teams languishing at the back end of the field. They may decide to abandon their projects and just focus primarily on 2022. At this point, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you've got nothing to gain in the short term with everything in the long term. Um, But I think that's probably a good way to wrap this up with Alpine. As I said, absolutely stunning car so far. Definitely probably my favourite looking car of the ones that we've yeah. seen so far. Of course, we've got a few more to go. We've got, obviously, you know, Haas, we, we will see that and talk about that uh, later on. Williams and Ferrari as well. Let's not forget. I'm looking forward to Williams. Williams yeah. is one I'm looking forward to. Mm. But of course, you know, when we air this episode, that'll be on the Friday as well. But that's going to be a weird event. Apparently, that's going to be on an app that people are going to have to access. But it doesn't access, It doesn't work properly on iOS oh, that's long. Android. That's long. So, uh, that's long. It's just... <laughs> This I, I'll, I'll keep the Twitter. I'm loving the innovation on these virtual launches, but I feel like we had an agreed uh, format that was working for the other teams and Alpine decided to go a different way and it, it kind of worked and it didn't work. The stream that I was watching kind of just ended halfway through the final speech, um, which was quite funny. And it was almost like, you know, what is there left to do? Um, of course, let's not forget Danny Kvyat. Before we do forget, because um, we did mention Danny Kvyat, signed up for Alpine to be their reserve driver. Now, I'm not going to lie. That's a really, really nice story because Danny Kvyat Mm -hmm. arguably put in one of his best seasons, especially towards the back end of last season. It was fantastic. He was on par with Pierre Gasly and even beating him sometimes. I remember the Imola Grand Prix was absolutely fantastic. The movie made uh, on Charles Leclerc at Imola was absolutely fantastic around the outside. Brilliant move. And it's so good to see Danny Kvyat still in F1, albeit not in a 
formal seat, of course, in the reserve seat. But um, it's so important to have characters like Danny Kvyat still in Formula One. And who knows, he may find himself in a position to get a drive in 2022. This won't be the first time that Danny has been involved, of course, having former roles at Ferrari as a reserve driver, which helped him land that role at Alpha Tauri. Um, how do you feel about that news, Courtney, about Danny Kvyat? I'm happy that he's had some kind of good news because I I don't know, man to man, I feel a bit sorry for the guy. You know, he just lost his seat in Formula One. He had all the jokes and memes going on about Max Verstappen shacking up with his ex. Oh, you know yeah. that, that, that <laughs> if you put all that together, I'm sorry. As 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 a man, you've lost your job, your girlfriend's mm. gone with your ex rival. That must have been shattering for him. So I'm really pleased that he's got some kind of opportunity to get back into Formula One because there's a certain team towards the back of the grid that I expect there to be chaos with one of their drivers. And who knows, maybe Danny Kvyat could be an option for that team. So he's keeping his name in a circle and that can only be a good thing for him. Absolutely. And I wish him the best this season, whatever he does or, you know, what opportunities that will be afforded to him. Hopefully it proves to be a very productive season for him. But uh, guys, of course, let us know what you think of the new uh, Alpine F1 car do you like it of course the A521 is being branded uh, it's my favorite livery it's definitely a beautiful livery let us know what you think and also let us know what you think about the chances for Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon how do you think Alpine will do this season how do you think they will do do you feel that Alpine should try and make 2021 the best that it can or do you feel like Haas and perhaps a few other teams they should try and prioritize 2022 instead all this left to say guys is Thanks, Courtney, for joining me once again on the DNF1 F1 podcast. And of course, uh, if you haven't already, guys, make sure to check out Manscaped. Of course, they're sponsoring us for the month of March. Get 20% off and free shipping if you use the promo code DNF1 at the checkout. Make sure to check their website out. Plenty of great stuff. It's a great gift for yourself, a partner, or perhaps that friend of yours that's been a bit lazy in lockdown and needs to uh, tidy themselves up a bit in the right area um make a perfect gift for them as well so definitely check that out but until then guys thanks for tuning in as always stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care see you soon Podcast Network.